This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI Tech Talk. It's the fifth Sunday of January. Those are one of the few months where we have five Sundays. It's the 29th of January, 2017. We're on at 5 p.m. in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And today we're live from our New York offices, and we're gonna, we have a really interesting show for you today. We're going to be talking about tech, Trump, and TPP with our guest, Maddie Kahn. I'm Tom DiOria. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated. And together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you the review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with their increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with their industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One or more guests followed us from many aspects of business and industry. And if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com. We'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime uh, after our show, you can uh, give us a call, send an email message, uh, and it could be on today's topic or anything else that we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listening here, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. Uh, you can use that email address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com, to send us uh, email questions throughout the show. Uh, if we can't get you on today, we'll definitely send you a response and try and get you on next week. And uh, we're also being simulcast on the web, so if you want to listen to us live and you can't get to our radio, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website. That's imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. has all the shows uh, there. You can download them, listen to them as many times as you want, send them to your friends. It's free. So please take advantage of that. And please call in any time during the show, and we'll get you on as quickly as possible. First segment's our weekend review. It's your increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's combined by Jose Batista, Dave Brandon, and Daniel Dioria. Okay, we've got a lot of news to cover here. Something to lead into our guest from NextGov, an executive order uh, seemingly prepped for President uh, Donald Trump's signature, would order four major reviews of the nation's cyber vulnerabilities and capabilities, but would not make any immediate changes to the U.S. cyber posture. In addition to review of uh, the public and private sector cyber vulnerabilities, Trump has been promoting since soon after his election the draft executive order would launch three other reviews of U.S. cyber adversaries, U.S. cyber capabilities, workforce, and education, and incentives promoting cybersecurity for the nation's private sector critical infrastructure. Um, So we don't have a copy of it, but um, the cyber vulnerabilities review will be completed within 60 days of the order, according to the information we were provided with into two parts, review of the national security systems delivered through the Defense Department and civilian government private sector review delivered through the Homeland Security Department. Um, 
the report on cyber adversaries will also be delivered within uh, 60 days uh, the or of the order being signed. hasn't been signed yet. Uh, the order does not list specific cyber adversaries, leaving it unclear whether the review will only focus on nation-state adversaries such as Russia and China. will also include uh, ISIS and other cyber criminal networks. And the third cyber review, which has no specific timeline and will be based on findings of the first two reports, will examine the cyber capabilities of the Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, and the National Security Agency and identify an initial set of capabilities needing improvement to adequately protect U.S. critical infrastructure. And the fourth and final review would be delivered within 100 days of signing and examine economic and other incentives to improve the cyber protections to private sector critical infrastructure. Um, so uh, good for the president, and uh, hopefully that will uh, get us closer to being protected. But as I said, we'll talk to our guests a little bit more about this too. Okay, here's something interesting that Gabe Goldberg, one of our uh, frequent contributors uh, gave us from Computer World. Uh, in 1993, President Bill Clinton was in his first year of presidency. Windows NT 3.1 and Jurassic Park were both released. A North American Free Trade Agreement, which we know uh, what's going to happen with that, was signed. Um, and Phil Hogan, an IT application architect, booted up a brand new Stratus Technologies fault tolerance server. This is 1993. A lot has changed in 24 years, but one thing hasn't. The Stratus server is still in operation, and Hogan, who works at the steel products maker Great Lakes Works in Dearborn, Michigan, continues to keep it that way. This is a fault-tolerant server, which means that hardware components are redundant. Over the years, disk drives, power supplies, and other components have been replaced, but Hogan estimates that close to 80% of the system is original. It never shut down. This is since 1993 on its own because of a fault it couldn't handle. Uh, this famous server in 2010, Stratus held a contest to identify one of its servers that had been running the longest. Hogan then, 17-year-old server, was the winner. The system runs an older version of Stratus' proprietary operating system, which Hogan believes hasn't been updated since the early 2000s. So good for them. And uh, some part of our technology keeps on going. Okay. The International Business Time tells us that the Federal Communications Commission has approved $170 million in federal funding to expand broadband coverage in rural New York. The move is the first under the incoming FCC chairman uh, and in a statement has tied the funding approved to the larger goals for the agency. The initial $170 million round of funding, which comes from the FCC's Connect America Fund for Expanding Voice and Broadband Coverage, will be combined with $200 million from state and private investors. The FCC launched the Connect America Fund in 2011 as a way to help encourage broadband and uh, voice coverage in remote or rural areas through subsidies. Uh, so we're going to see where that goes. They've been talking about this for a long time. We haven't seen much happen, but hopefully uh, we'll notice some changes. Cranes tells us that the de Blasio and Como administrations, that's the mayor of New York and the governor of New York, like their predecessors, have set increasingly ambitious goals for share of public contracts going to minority and women-owned businesses. But tales of these firms' difficulty in winning government deals abound, as usual. Uh, now, one government-related relations firm thinks it has a way to ease the process for businesses and help government agencies meet their goals. 
a mobile application that can match a business owner's set of skills with the appropriate request for proposal called MWBE Connect New York. It launched recently and cost subscribers $50 a month. The app matches a subscriber based on his or her outline with a curated list of RFPs by employing an algorithm. The software also serves as an information hub for MWBE issues. Okay, so we'll see if that helps the situation. Wall Street Journal tells us that uh, Verizon Communications is exploring a combination with charter communications and a deal that would create a telecommunications and cable giant and vault the combined company past Comcast as number one Internet provider in the United States. Verizon Chief Executive Order Officer Lowell McAdam has made a preliminary approach to officials close to charter and advisors working with advisors to study a potential transaction. A combination of Verizon and charter would follow several recent industry mega-merges, and uh, Verizon, while it's facing a slowdown in its core wireless business, is number one mobile carrier, number two telecommunications provider. So uh, we'll see whether or not that helps anything. The New York Post tells us that purported government employees are going rogue against the Trump administration and speaking out against its recent media blackout mandate on the president's favorable social media platform, Twitter. Scientists from the EPA, NASA, the National Park Service, and other agencies have created alternative Twitter pages under the names of Ungagged EPA, AltNat Park Sur, and Rogue NASA. The Rogue accounts say in disclaimers that they are not official accounts, while Rogue NASA says the page is not managed by government employees. The new Twitter pages are in response to edicts from the EPA and other federal staffers have received barring them from issuing press releases, blog updates, or posting agencies. It's just wonderful. And keeping along that theme, uh, yesterday and today, we were observing and discussing with uh, some demonstrators against the uh, president's current executive order. Uh, to do vetting uh, against uh, people from uh, immigrants from, uh, I think it was seven uh, countries that were identified during the Obama administration as uh, suspected states of terror, and just picking up on those states or limiting their access to the United States until we can come up with some vetting. I talked to some of them, and uh, we don't really get good information as to how they got there so quickly, uh, who's funding them, and what their real complaint is. They keep saying things are illegal, but um, we're not too sure about that. We're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guest, Maddie Kahn, and talk to you about Tech, Trump, and TPP. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. I'm Ice Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 5th Sunday of January, January 29, 2017. And as I promised you before the break, we're going to have a really interesting show talking to you about tech, Trump, and TPP. Our guest is Matty Kahn, who is the CEO of Infotech. He was born in Austria and moved to Israel with his uh, family during his youth. Uh, Matty served in the Airborne Division of the Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF. And if you're a regular listener, to our show, you'll know that we're, uh, we've been involved with the FIDF, which is the Friends of the IDF. Uh, he's been, uh, he was in the Airborne Division for five years and was honorably discharged with the rank of captain. Under uh, Matty's leadership, Infotech 
which is headquartered in Midtown Manhattan, is an industry leader providing system products and IT services to hundreds of major companies, corporations, and government agencies in the United States. Some of Infotech's key clients include the United States Department of Defense, U.S. Navy, Raytheon Missile Systems, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, and a bunch of others. Um, Matty Khan and Infotech have been recognized on several occasions by the Senate's Defense Appropriation Committee as a key player within the defense industry and hence funded for key defense contracts. Uh, Matty, we're honored to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so we're going to talk about Tech, Trump, and TPP. Um, but we did an article in our uh, Week in Review about a uh, executive order that President Trump is going to release with regard to cybersecurity, and uh, maybe you can give our listeners uh, some insight into what you think the Trump president is going to mean for that, and whether or not we can expect uh, improvement in the United States uh, uh, under his leadership. Well, first, can you hear me well? I can certainly hear you well. Okay, so you, you you are bringing up a very charged issue, um, an issue that is much more of a risk to the uh, security of our nation, I personally believe, as many others, than any other risk out there. And uh, a risk that can only be compared today to a weapons of mass destruction, but it is the new weapon of mass destruction. Um, let's separate between cultures that are threatening the United States, whether these are ISIS, uh, North Korea, or other or emerging threats, as uh, China, as the President Trump uh, positions it, to weapons of mass destruction. Cultures that are we are facing may pick up that weapon, and the weapon is cybersecurity, and it is a terrible weapon and a terrible threat. Um, as to how President Trump will do, I think we are all waiting to see. If we are judging by the swift actions that he took immediately after the election, as he promised, uh, then we can be optimistic, optimistic that action will be taken. Uh, he promised before his election that he will take several actions, and he already delivered on some of them, none related to cybersecurity, as we all hear about. And whether you are a Republican or a Democrat out there, um, I think we should all be in agreement that cybersecurity is the biggest threat to our nation. Uh, a single penetration, a single damage to our water system, a shutdown of our electrical grid in certain areas can cause more damage than 10 atomic bombs can cause. And killing our infrastructure is one of the biggest threats today. So we can only hope that he will do well. I hope he does. I tend to be optimistic. I've seen some of the nomination that he's done. So we'll, we will have to wait and see, but let's not underestimate the threats that we have in front of us. Well, that's a very scary picture. Um, do you think, I mean, uh, there are so many different things I want to ask you about. I, I, I guess yep. um, one of the things I'll ask you at the, at the beginning here is based on what you said and based on the sophistication of our enemies, both uh, known like Russia, and I'll get into that in a minute, uh, but also ISIS, um, who's very sophisticated in the whole cyber area. Um, are we being attacked and the general public really doesn't hear about it, or have we been 
lucky enough or sophisticated enough to thwart um, attacks that could be uh, earth-shattering humans? No, we, we are being attacked on a daily basis. I mean, there is a map, a cyber map that you can look at that shows you the daily attack on the United States on cyber attacks. Uh, we're being attacked on a daily basis by hundreds of thousands of attacks. And uh, there has been so much publication, so much talk about it. Um, it seems that it is um, so vast for most people to understand that we've created as, you know, when you cannot do something about something or something is too big for you to understand, uh, we have been ignoring it. I mean, we have been, I can say, irresponsible in terms of ignoring the threat. Um, I believe a former national security advisor, uh, Rich Clark, wrote a book called Cybersecurity. He published it about four years ago. He said that the State Department is de facto in war with China. Um, in the book, he published a picture of a politician, Chinese politician, standing, and in front of him, three young Chinese men kneeling with laptops in the head, in the hands. One of them tells his boss or master, I hacked the electrical system. The other one says, I hacked the water system. The third one says, I hacked their transportation system. And the guy stands above them with a big smile and says, this is great. This is an amazing Chinese paper. Um, and we are apparently, and I'm not going to put any judgment on it, but we apparently have such a symbiotic connection between our needs and China's production that it has been uncomfortable for too many people to admit that we are on one hand, on one hand um, putting a face of great trade relationship, while on the other hand, the Navy has opened the 12th fleet with, with thousands of programmers and hackers just to deal with the war with China. This has been going on for five years. Um, without getting into any political statement, anybody who knows the technology field knows that we are in a war with China. Uh, why haven't... Why is the public not aware of what so many of us know? I don't know. Are we waiting for the 9-11 of cybersecurity attack? Is this is what's going on? We will not wake up. I mean, before 9-11, we had the, the embassies in Africa bombed. We had the boat attack. We had several small attacks, and we've just waved them. We needed a 9-11 to wake up. Are we waiting for the 9-11 of, of cybersecurity? Uh, we needed Pearl Harbor to wake up on December 7th. 1941 to understand that Hitler is a threat. Uh, I, I hope that the answer is not that this is the way that people's minds work, but it seems it is. The threat uh, is real. Uh, it has been out there. It is not you. Uh, why we haven't reacted is, is negligence. And I'm sure after the first attack that unfortunately will come, then the investigations will start and the committees will start, and then everybody will say, well, this organization didn't respond, and we were not ready, and we didn't know. But we know. We have the capacity. Um, why are we not doing anything about it? I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, in, in our Week in Review segment, uh, we had uh, um, gotten information that uh, the Trump administration is going to issue an executive order do, asking for a 60-day review by DOD and DHS and a couple of other agencies into what you're talking about. And based on your experience, I hope they involve the, you as part of the private sector in that. Um, moving, moving forward on this, though, we know we were hacked uh, 
Well, we know that the Democratic National Committee was hacked uh, during the last election. Um, do you think that was a, a major or minor attack? And did, did they do anything, uh, you know, really to, to um, there's been a lot of back and forth on this, to affect the outcome other than release information uh, to the public that the public should have been aware of anyway? And you've got about a minute and a half before we have to take a break. Uh, you, you, you load me with such a question, give me a minute and a half. I'll give you the two ten cents answer. I'll give you a minute and a half now, and we'll pick up after the break. <laughs> I don't know is the real answer, and I've looked into it a lot. I investigated into a lot. I've spoken to a lot of people in the field. I don't know the answer. We don't know. We don't have enough information. On the face of it, it seems that the big damage has been releasing information. I don't think that the... Uh, <laughs> that the counting process has been affected. That's my take so far, but it's a cautious answer. Okay, well, that's, that's good to hear, and he's also going to start, uh, uh, he being President Trump, an investigation of uh, whether or not the whole election was done right, so maybe that will be an aspect of it. We're going to take a break. We're talking to Matty Khan, who's the CEO of Infotech, and we'll, when we come back from the break, we'll ask... Uh, Matty, to tell us a little bit more about Infotech than I gave you in his introduction. It's uh, Sunday, January 29, 2017. This is IMI's Tech Talk. We're on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori, and we're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 29th of January, 2017, and our guest today is Matty Khan, who is the CEO of Infotech. Maddie, can you tell listeners a little bit more than I gave in the intro uh, what Infotech is all about? Well, Tom, you've done a wonderful job yourself on that. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're really an IT company. We deal with system development and system integration. We've been lucky enough to work both in the commercial sector and the government sector. Uh, we've mainly been a software developer. Our work in the commercial center has been on... Um, you know, re remarketing uh, some of our uh, existing commercial products. We have products in the banking industry. We have products in the media industry. We have products in the labor industry. And then we are really known to be a um, very solid software development house. Uh, our work on the government front has really been an opportunity uh, to work with the um, Defense Appropriation Committee, uh, both in the past on the earmark front where we had offices and development in states like Montana and North Dakota, being able to bring both the need for technology and ability to keep American labor in those states from running away. So this okay. is a bit of and a what's your, what's your website? What you, what's your website, website is www.infotech, Followed by F like Frank, B like Boy, dot com. That would be www.infotechfd.com. If our listeners want to follow up with you, is that the best way for them to do it? Go to the website? We have a very detailed website. Um, there is a contact us opportunity. You can contact us for general questions. You can contact us on specific uh, um, issues or just generally. The website is very detailed on the contact us section and easy to get around, and you will get anybody who applies to us or reaches out to us 
will get answers if those are general information questions or if whether those are questions about specific products or services. Okay, so before the break, uh, I asked you a minute and a half question about the Russians hacking into our presidential election, uh, and I'm, I'm sure a, a lot more is going to come out on this, but um, is that only the, the tip of the iceberg? I mean, uh, we can assume, I think, based on what you said at the beginning of the show, that um, we're being hit all the time, and I have to believe Russia is one of the primary players. Is that true? Um, Russia is a primary player. Sometimes there is a bit of a gray line whether uh, between what is government-initiated and what is privately initiated. I mean, there is a national security aspect to cyber-terrorism, and there's a criminal aspect. Uh, the criminal aspect, um, due to lack of regulation and lack of opportunity in Russia, has been a big aspect. Russia has been... Uh, the, the whole East Bloc has been behind the horrible uh, ransom viruses like CryptoLocker or others, those which are definitely not government-driven. Then there is accusation of some government-driven. Um, there is a difference of opinions. Obviously, the current administration, President Trump, believes that the Russian threat is not such a big threat and probably can scale it against. We probably do some of the same things that they do. Maybe they got caught more than we did, but we probably do some of the same thing. Let's be fair here. Um, and uh, he believes that uh, maybe this can be controlled and that we have bigger joint enemies than that. Um, we are being attacked a lot from China. On that, I will go with the president. Uh, China is a source for multiple cyber attacks. Uh, unfortunately, China has also been open in the press and in the media and encouraging the cyber activity vis-a-vis -vis the U.S. We have one talk from the political function in China, but which I'm not going to get into. I'm not a politician, but I will just tell you on the back burner, on the, in the back rooms, China is active in cybersecurity against the United States. Uh, China's support of North Korea is also something that we should all worry ourselves about. And I'm talking from the cybersecurity perspective. I'm not getting into the arms race issue. Now, they're not it's, just targeting the... They're not just targeting the government. Are they targeting businesses as well? That's a good question. That's why I said there is a fine line between the criminal elements in Russia and the government-driven elements in Russia. And contrary to common opinion, the Russian government has far less control over its criminal elements than we believe that they have. Um, if you take viruses that I quickly mentioned before, like CryptoLocker, um, I, we, we were personally attending to a big financial organization back in December 2013, more correctly, on Christmas, Christmas Eve 2013. We had over 300,000 files basically ransomed. That means that uh, they got locked in a chain within a split of seconds, and we got a, an email that basically told us, you got 48 hours to pay one Bitcoin was $700. It's ridiculous, uh, the price. They, they were not sophisticated at the time with their money collection uh, because everybody would have paid $30,000 and $50,000 at that moment just to get it off. But then started a race against the watch because if we don't do this in 48 hours, they'll destroy all the systems. But this was criminal element, as much as we know. It would be a very serious matter if anybody would have found that worse connections between companies like CryptoLocker who are a threat to the financial industry, the media industry, 
all the big corporations in the country and the Russian government. Uh, I think the Rus- there was a time where we had rosier relationships with the Russians, by the way, where the Russians actually turned into us some Russians who penetrated the Pentagon system. So really? telling the Chinese never did. Yeah, the Chinese we never did with us. I think there was a case 20 years ago, I can look it up, uh, about a 19-year-old kid. But that's a shame. He broke into the Pentagon system, we tracked him down, and we demanded his turn-in. It was the early, early part after the fall of the Soviet Union, and the Russians turned him into us. I, you know, the rumor is that he's sitting in one of our jail systems somewhere. I really do hope they put it to good use working for us. It's a, it's a rare, rare, brilliant. Really, I mean, locking up brilliant minds like this is a waste. I hope that they did better. I hope it's more like in the movie with Tom Hanks of Catch Me If You Can, that they actually put the guy for good use. But yeah, I guess as good as that would be very um, smart. You, t- you touched on something that, that uh, hopefully, uh, from my understanding and talking to some people close to the president, uh, they are going to try and get, although it's politically charged, people in Silicon Valley, and, you know, we have our own Silicon Valley here in New York, I, which I assume you're part of, to participate in helping us here. Um, what, yeah, do you, what, else, what else do you think the president uh, should do? One more point. Tom, Tom, if I can add one more point. Remember, most hackers have no political conscience. This is a mania. This, these are brilliant. These are outliers. These are brilliant guys' technology. They'll hack for the Russian government just like they'll hack for us. Their bosses may have political agenda, but the guys who sit in the bits and bytes have no political agenda. When we catch those guys, it is no big effort to turn them around if we have the right mindset to do it. I'm sorry, I interrupted your last question. I just wanted no, to I add just, it. I was just going to ask you, what else besides that do you think the Trump administration should be doing to get us a, a little bit ahead of this curve since we're so far behind? Well, you know, not only we are behind. Everybody's behind. But the problem is that the good guys in this case, uh, which we'd like to think as, as we are at least, we work, we work four times slower than the back, bad guys. Uh, we are, and the bad guys are just, um, they're free of chains, they're free of, free of obligations, they're free of systems. Um, they're just running at a much higher pace than we are. I was asked a few days ago about uh, bitcoins, you know, from somebody who just learned about bitcoins. Well, bitcoins are becoming obsolete in the criminal world. We have Monroe today, which is a whole new currency that most people don't even know that exists, that you can go on the Internet and order from drugs to hitmen. Um, so the problem is that we, with our defenses, we are too slow. There needs to be a major punch. There needs to be a major leap forward. Um, think about 1929. You know, Churchill said that the further we can look into the past, the further we see in the future. Think about Albert Einstein's famous letter to FDR. 1939, he told him, the biggest threat to the world is the atomic threat. That yielded the initiation of the Manhattan Project and the atomic bomb. Just think about if we were not the first one to get there. This is where we stand today. We need a semi-like Manhattan Project. Hopefully the president will initiate something that will put us leap forward and not keep playing toe-to-toe with the competition. And what would you suggest that he do to do that? Tom, I would suggest to follow exactly. In 1939, they knew less about the atomic warfare than we know about cybersecurity. So what did they do? They organized the compound. They went and recruited. 
the most intelligent people in the industry from an entire country, mostly from private industry. They put them a top secret. They locked them up for years and milked their brains out till they came up with the atomic bombs. And this is what we need to do. The same scale, force, enormous, enormous, enormously in order to leap forward. We're not going to catch up playing toe-to-toe. Okay. That's great advice, and uh, hopefully he's listening or will listen. And from what I understand, that's what he's tra- going to try to do, knowing, knowing him. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to change gears a little bit and ask uh, Matty Khan, our guest, about uh, the president vetoing uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOrio. This is IMI's Tech Talk, and it's the 29th of January, 2017. We're talking to Maddie Kahn about Tech, Trump, and TPP. And uh, that's our, we're going to switch gears now. And, uh, Maddie, what do you think, in your opinion, is Trump's vetoing the Trans-Pacific Partnership going to mean to cybersecurity? Anything? I really don't see any connection. I mean, TPP was a union for, it put together uh, 40% of the purchasing power in the world an agreement of smoothing. Uh, clearly, the opinion of the Democrats and President Obama uh, were, where former President Obama were, that, that this will set standards and make it easy for, for American goods to flow over there, uh, to be sold in foreign countries. The flip side of it, it makes it as easy for other countries to sell here, and the problem is that we are probably 10 times more expensive, and this will be a disaster for the United States. That is the position of President Trump and his people. I see no correlation to cybersecurity necessary. You know, no, no, no different than anything. None of the, I mean, China is not part of the agreement. If China was, I could speculate some, but, you know, it's mostly friendly countries that are part of this agreement. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's some good insight. Um, he's, the president has uh, selected a number of people that are going to be in different agencies that are going to be focusing on cybersecurity. Do you know them or know of them, and what do you feel um, they're going to lend to this whole issue that hasn't been focused on before? Well, you know, the, the key person is U.S. Representative Mike, Mike uh, Pompeo. He's a 52-year-old guy. He's a Harvard graduate. He's a retired military officer. Uh, he's a strong guy. He... Uh, we know he's a radical guy. He's a strong, um, um, he's a strong uh, person that resists the, uh, the the deal that we made with Iran. I was looking for the right words here. Uh, I don't know, a strong person resisting is the right word, but that put is he's one of the leading radical factions that claims that the uh, nuclear agreement that we made with Iran should be abolished immediately. Um, and you can argue that is right or wrong. That's a whole different discussion. Uh, but we are dealing with somebody who's a fighter. We're dealing with somebody who's very determined and uh, somebody who tends to take action. So I hope that yields again. Uh, you know, it is important that we take people that are willing uh, to make change, people who are not afraid to shake the status quo. Because in my opinion and the opinion of a lot of people inside the business, I think I alluded to it a bit before to you, is that we've been having the red flags and the warnings all over we're sitting every day 
being afraid of the 9-11 uh, cyber attack. Um, and that's the least that we're afraid of. We're afraid that it's going to be much worse than that. And uh, bringing picture people in who are willing to shake, who are willing to change the status quo is good news. Um, you know, whether, whether you like Mike Pompeo or not, you can't argue his qualification, or you cannot argue the fact that he's a shaker and he's not a guy who's a politician who will stand down. He will move things around. So I think that is good news. He's the major figure in this play, and um, I am, I'm looking forward to see what he's going to do. Um, Maddie, going back to the issue of preparedness to uh, defend ourselves, um, if you were to compare the government versus uh, the private sector, um, I doubt we're holding our own, but is one better prepared than the other? I mean, I gather from our discussions that uh, the government should be utilizing more of the private sector's uh, expertise um, but are all hackers with the white hat on uh, working for companies or out on their own? You bring an excellent point. I think the first time that we really saw this thing coming to a head was uh, about six months ago, if you recall the famous, after the shooting on the West Coast, the famous incident of the attempt to open the iPhone. And you remember the whole dance and the uh, and the, and the, and. The, and Apple going vis-a-vis -vis the U.S. government to court, which for most of us professionals was just a, was just a show, um, because it was clear that it is doable. Um, John McAfee, who was one of the brilliant minds in the cyber world, said at the time, if you give him 20 days, he will eat his shoes if he cannot do it. He doesn't understand what the noise is about. What I'm getting into is that the government sector and the commercial sector are very different. I, in my small company, have noticed that when we were in, involved and are involved in, 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 the, in work with the government and work in private industry. It does not mean that necessarily one is all better than the other. Bringing them together is a brilliant idea. The private industry brings uh, entrepreneurship, initiation, wild thinking, creativity. But the government does bring systematic method for work, which is at that scale of a project necessary. And merging them together, we will, we will have this, the fact of, of one plus one equals five and not equal two. Because the government alone can definitely not do it. And private sector, with all the brilliant talents and the EO competitions, will not do it. But something unified, where you bring the entrepreneurship, the outlier thinking, the quality of people from the private industry, together with the system that the government has to offer, under people who are goal and result oriented on a timely basis, is, I think, the best solution. So what else can you tell uh, our listeners who are in the private sector? What should they be doing besides hiring your firm to uh, better protect themselves? I mean, there's nothing universal, I mean, that they can go out and buy a package and that's going to put in a you know, put them in, in some kind of a dome and they'll be impenetrable. So what do you recommend that they do? Well, there's a couple of funds for that. Um, unfortunately, the, the Big Bob and Harry out there are not protected because most of the compromises on cybersecurity are done at the corporate level. Usually, credit cards are stolen as part of a batch of 30,000 or million credit cards were stolen 
because the bank was compromised and your information is the bank. Or IRS information, your records have been stolen because somebody penetrated the IRS. So if you don't want to be, since it's out of your hand and you cannot do anything, what can you do? You can not deposit your money in the bank, not have a credit card, not have an IRS account, because the individuals, and in many cases of identity theft, are just victims to excuse my French, the incompetence of the large companies to protect them. They say when your identity is stolen, everybody tells you, we're sorry. But you are an individual are going to go to a nightmare for five to ten years to try to recover you to yourself. The court system will say, well, we're so sorry, but you're still liable to that. And we, we have not resolved the issue of the victims of cybersecurity. So, Bob, Dick, and Harry, I don't have a lot of advice. I mean, it, it, we are all... You know, we are all victims here of the big organizations. At the company level, I would propose to people to really take the matter seriously, to make sure that they hire professionals, our company or many companies like ours, and make sure they have proper firewalls, that they have proper backups. Because remember, in, in, in cybersecurity, there's two things. There's one, how to behave before you penetrate, get penetrated or compromised, and then is how do you behave once you got compromised. So you do all the defenses possible mm-hmm. that nobody breaks in. But the history of the world has taught us that every wall has somebody who will penetrate it. Okay, so once somebody did get in, what do you do now? Do you have your proper backups in place? Do you have the proper redundancy of systems that you can recoup yourself? I mean, this is, this is really a threat. Companies should do it. Um, and that's the best we can offer. And the government should shape up on that front as well. All right, Maddie, I really appreciate your taking the time to be with us today. Tell us, our, our listeners, one more time how they can reach out to you if they want to follow up. They can either do the simple thing and pick up the phone, 212-245-4222, 212-245-4222, or they can contact us through our website at infotech, www.infotechfb, that would be I-N-F-O-T-E-C-H-F-B. Patty, thanks again. It was a it was a great show. Thanks, I want to thank, thanks for having. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for our week in review. Taylor Redden's our producer. Tess Enshaw is our associate producer, and Matt Campagni is our executive producer. And we appreciate all the help from the KFNX AM eleven hundred production department. Otherwise, you wouldn't have heard a word we said. Thanks again for listening. Please don't forget to tune in to Tech Talk next week at 5 p.m. New York on KFNX AM 1100 OBR. First show, and remember to send us your suggestions for a future show or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week, and thanks again for listening.